to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. So starting from verse 18. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. There is deceit in the hearts of those who plot evil, but joy for those who promote peace. No harm befalls the righteous, but the wicked have their fill of trouble. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. A prudent man keeps himself, keeps knowledge to himself, but the heart of fools blurts out folly. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labour. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please guide us as we read your word tonight. Transform us by your spirit that we might be the people you call us to be in Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, what words have changed your life? What words have changed your life? The tribe has spoken. You're fired. I do. I'm not sure it's working out. Now, what words have shaped your life? Words uh, from a friend, words from a loved one, words from an enemy, words from year nine. Ugh, I shudder to think. Now, we live in a world where words are powerful, where words can transform people. Is this your experience? I used to be a primary school teacher. I used to say a lot. My job was talking most of the day. Poor kids. But over the course of a year, you can transform a child by being relentlessly positive. In our series on the book of Proverbs, so far we've been chasing up little sections of Proverbs and thinking about what each little section has to say. What is true wisdom? Where does it come from? It comes from a God who made the world in a certain way, in in wisdom. Wisdom is embedded into the creation, made by and for and through Jesus. Wisdom means that the world is discoverable and examinable. What's wisdom? Well, wisdom is... Living light in life of eternity. Working out what it means to fear the Lord. To know him and respond in relationship to him and the world that he's made in all its glorious beauty and messiness. But this week we're doing something a little bit different. And uh, I'm just going to give you a minute while I ramble just to make sure you have a Bible. Now I know there are lots of Bibles scattered around. We're going to do... A bit of flicking tonight because the next four weeks, the, the four Sundays tonight and the next three, we're looking at what Proverbs has to say about, yeah, uh, tonight, speaking in 
listing. We're going to talk about virtue. We're going to talk about work. And we're going to talk about relationships over the next four weeks. What does Proverbs have to say about those things? And so rather than just, you know, chapter 12, verses 18 to 25, it's all over the shop. Trying to bring together some of the threads about what God's word has to say about how to speak and how to listen. Uh, If you're a note taker and you want to know what my structure for tonight is, it's a little bit random, but you could use these headings. Know God. This is K-N-O-W, know God, know yourself, know your audience, know Jesus. Know God, know yourself, know your audience, know Jesus. Uh, So one of the first things we have to say when we think about speaking and listening is that we know a God who speaks and listens. God himself is a speaker from the very start of God's word, the Bible. How does Genesis 1-1 start? In the beginning was God, or as John 1 puts it, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And it's the Word of God that speaks creation into being. It's no surprise that words are powerful. Words are how God achieves his purpose in the world. Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light and it was good. Let there be, and there was. God is a God who speaks. And he doesn't just speak into the darkness, into the void and the deep, but he speaks to his people. Moses, Moses, come over here. He calls out from the burning bush. I'm going to use you, Moses. Go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. See, not only is God a God who speaks, in and of himself, because he is Father, Son, and Spirit, there's a relationship within the Trinity itself as the Father speaks to the Son and the Son speaks by the Spirit to the world. But God speaks to his people and he listens to his people. Remember when we talked about Exodus a few months back? It was God who heard the cries of his people in slavery in Egypt. He heard their prayers. And as we're going to hear later on tonight, as Jesus walked on the earth, it was his pattern of life to pray day by day to his father. Because God is a God who listens. Now, admittedly, we need to draw a little bit of a line here in the metaphorical sand and say, well, we're not God. We don't speak in the same way as God and we don't listen in the same way as God. I can't listen to the thoughts of your heart. That's good for me and you. And I can't do the sort of speech acts that God can do. You know, as much as I enjoy that scene in the West Wing on election day where the guy's standing outside praying for rain, he says, come on! And lightnings, and it rains. He's like, yeah! You wish that could happen. I've tried, you know, teaching Sunday school. You go outside with the kids and you say, now, let's try and calm the storm. And we can't do it. You stand at the edge of the sea and tell the waves to be still. It doesn't work because you're not God. So when it comes to listening and speaking, it's right to remember that we're made in the image of God, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. In the image of God, we are created, so we're made to speak and to listen. But our words and our listening are different to God's. The beginning of wisdom about speaking and listening is to know God. But secondly, there's something about speaking and listening where it's important to know yourself. And this is where the Bible comes in uh, to speak about 
how to listen and how to speak. Because when you know God, you know yourself in a way that is from outside of yourself. There's a sense in which when you read the Bible, you don't just read words on the page, but there's a way in which the Bible reads you. My response to how I hear the word of God teaches me something about myself, not just about the words on the page. So let's have a look at a few Proverbs that give us a little bit of advice about how to see ourselves. Uh, if, you're, if you have a Bible, I'd be encouraged just to hear the sound of flicking. So Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. I'm going to give you time to, to get to these Proverbs so you can look at them yourself. That's a beautiful noise. Well done, team. In knowing ourselves, we have to listen to God's word. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Don't forsake your mother's teaching. Part of wisdom is learning to listen. Flick forward to chapter 9, chapter 9, verses 7 to 9. Chapter 9, 7 to 9. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Don't rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. When you read that, you've got to ask yourself, who am I? Am I a mocker? Or am I a wise man? What does it look like to be a wise person? It means to be open to instruction, to love correction. Is that you by nature? Is that what what my heart is like? Chapter 10, verse 17. He who heeds discipline, chapter 10, verse 17, he who heeds discipline shows the way to life. But whoever ignores correction leads others astray. It's not just a case of what words I let come into my ears, but it's a case of what my heart is like, isn't it? Am I the sort of person who's open to correction? Have you met someone who doesn't like to be corrected? It's not pretty to watch. Chapter 12, verse 15. Chapter 12, verse 15. The wicked, sorry, 12, verse 15. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. That's me. I think my way is right all the time. Otherwise, I wouldn't think it, would I? It's right. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. And lastly, on this little thread, 15 verse 5, chapter 15 verse 5. A fool spurns his father's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. One of the challenges that wisdom from God, wisdom from Proverbs sets against us is how does your heart feel about being corrected are you ready to listen 
to advice, whether it's from your father or from those who have wisdom around you or from God himself. Now, this is one of those moments when if you think about your workplace, now, there's people in our congregation who are just beginning their life at work and there's some of us who have been working for a bit longer. One of the things that's both beautiful and terrifying about working for Roger Bray is that he's really good at correcting me. He's really good at pointing out where I need to change. He does it in a loving and careful and well-intentioned way, but he actually does do this. He'll let me fall over and reap the benefits of learning that lesson because he wants me to grow in wisdom. He wants me to grow in the person I've been. Now, if you're starting to be a team leader at work, if you've got people who are around you, you have the opportunity to be this person, to heed wisdom, to listen to correction from those around you. Now, maybe your workplace enforces this upon you. So it's a question of how you're going to take it. But as we thought about last week, as we heard Jesus' words from the end of Matthew 7, you know, the two houses, the one built on wisdom, the one built on sand. For those who know Jesus, you've, you've got your foundation, that's, that's him. And there's this lovely picture of the Christian life lived as kind of building a house. Every decision that you make, every action you've set yourself into, you're building a house. You're, you've got 50, 60, however many years left in your life. You are building an edifice and the foundation's taken care of because you're on Christ. But you have the chance to shape your life by wisdom. To have someone who's an expert builder say, um, would have done that differently. Well, maybe if you're going to do this, do it this way. So one of the challenges of wisdom is to know yourself and know that we need correction. Just to tie these together, have a look in chapter 20 at verse 24, 2024. This is one of several Proverbs uh, through the book that remind us that God is in control even as we act. Verse 24, a man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way? How then can you understand what you do? Have you had that day where you look back and you think, why did I do that? Why on earth did I do that thing that I really, really shouldn't have done? There's something about wisdom that needs words from outside. And the test of where we stand as either the fool or the wise is how we hear wisdom. We don't read the Proverbs, the Proverbs read us. This word reads us. Our response determines what type of person we are. Just jump with me for a minute uh, into John, keep a finger in Proverbs if you like, into John chapter 8. I promised you Flicky and here it is. John chapter 8. In John 8, in verse 25, 8, 25, it's that reminder that Jesus passes on what he's heard. Uh, Who are you, they asked. Just what I've been claiming all along. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable and what I've heard from him, I tell the world. Jesus both listens and speaks. And then further down in chapter 8, over the page, verse 47, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees who are accusing him. 
I'll start at verse 45, chapter 8, 45. Yet because I tell the truth, you don't believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. And the reason you don't hear is that you do not belong to God. It's not just that there are words in the air and we can choose to hear them or not, but these words show us who we really are. If you're a person who consistently submits to the words of Jesus, it's a sign to you that you are one of God's people. If you're a person who hears the words of Jesus and does something else, it's a reminder that you're walking away from God. You're not one of God's people. Just as the disciples heard the voice of Jesus and followed him. So know God, know yourself. Let's think about knowing your audience as you speak. We turn now from really listening to speaking a little bit. Now, if you had to preach about how a Christian person should speak wisely, I wonder what you'd say. What we're going to do is just going to read through a bunch of Proverbs uh, and then try and make some some comments at the end. So flick back to Proverbs. Uh, If you've got your flicking fingers ready, we're starting at chapter 11, verse 2. Chapter 11, verse, sorry, 11, verse 12. 11, 12. It's an arithmetic sequence. 11, 12. How should you speak? A man who lacks judgment derides his neighbour. But a man of understanding holds his tongue. By the way, there's very gender-specific language here. Whenever you hear man, just hear person, right? Read that one again. A man who lacks judgment derides his neighbour, but a man of understanding holds his tongue. My favourite thing in the world, almost, is teasing people who are stupid. It was how I was raised. I went to a boys' school where the prime thing you did all day long was just to try and observe other people's stupidity and comment on it publicly. That's kind of, that's currency. Oh, look who we can pay out now. A man who lacks judgment derides his neighbour, but a man of understanding holds his tongue. 15.4. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Always in the Proverbs, you're looking for contrast and parallelisms. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. When you walk into whatever you're doing tonight and tomorrow, will you be a person whose tongue brings healing? Or will your tongue be a deceitful tongue that crushes spirits, saying one thing here and another one there? Chapter 17, verse 4. 17.4. A wicked man listens to evil lips. A liar pays attention to malicious tongues. And down in 1728, 1728, this I think was my mum's favourite proverb, encouraging me to shut up. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. You've heard that, better be thought a fool and to say nothing than to open your mouth and remove all doubt comes from this proverb. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. The Bible's words on wise speech is often, stop talking. 
Now, just a word here to the extroverts and the introverts. As you will have worked out, I'm a talker. There are some among us who by nature are not talkers. And it could be that we need to counsel you in the direction of actually saying the wonderful things which you have to say. And to those who are babblers, and I put myself in this part, perhaps God's word to you tonight is just talk a bit less. We'll get to that more later because we need to hear it more often, I think. Uh, feeding this thread further, chapter 28, verse 23, 28, 23, 28, 23. We're jumping around, I know, 28, 23. I'm a bit obsessed with numbers, so whenever I read out numbers, I'm just thinking in my head, 28, that's a perfect number, 23. It's Michael Jordan's jersey number, 28, 23. He who rebukes a man will in the end gain more favour than he who has a flattering tongue. He who rebukes a man will in the end gain more favour than he who has a flattering tongue. Mentally, put your hand up if you're a conflict avoider. This is a word for you. My nature is always to compliment rather than to seek out disagreement. But turns out what's best for me and for those around me is what's best. Not just what's convenient and nice. Rebuking should be part of our trademark as the wise. Doesn't mean you go looking for every opportunity. Have you come across those truth tellers? Christians are famous for this, right? Here's the logic. God loves the truth. He wants us to speak the truth. You know that verse in Ephesians, speak the truth in love. And so what I will do is tell you the truth about yourself at every, every possible convenient and inconvenient time. Oh, here's the truth about you. Oh, look, I just did what God's will is. No! A, time, a word in due season is beautiful. But he who rebukes a man will in the end gain more favour than he who has a flattering tongue. Chapter 10, verse 19. Chapter 10, we're going backwards. 10, 19. 10, 19, a word for us who are social media people. 10, 19. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. I should have that as my Facebook cover photo, shouldn't I? 10.19, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Chapter 18, verse 8. Chapter 18, verse 8. What's your default small talk mechanism? You know, for me, it's, you know, what's your last 24 hours been like? What are your plans for Christmas holidays? All these sorts of things. Uh, I've got a list of it because part of my job is just talking to people randomly on the street and at church and visitors. You've you got a list of things that you ask people, not what do you do, not where do you live. That's just too, eh. but, you know, tell us, you know, tell us about someone who's shaped you. When you've been in an office for a while or the same group of people for a while, it's easy to fall into dodgy habits of what you talk about. Chapter 18, verse 8. The words of gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. What do you think that means? I mean, I want to think more about what the choice morsels are than what the proverb means, but let's move into what it actually means. The words of gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a person's inmost parts. There's something about gossip that's just it gets into you and it becomes kind of part of who you are chapter 23 verse 9 
As we head into what it's like to speak to foolish people, we head towards the end of this little idea about when to speak and what to say. Chapter 23, verse 9. 23, 9, you've got a prime number and a square number. 23, verse 9. Do not speak to a fool, for he will scorn the wisdom of your words. Don't speak to fools. That's a good proverb, right? Don't speak to fools. There's something for you to think about this week. Chapter 12, verse 16. 12, 16. It's more about listening, but it's worth hearing. 12, 16. The wicked desire the plunder of evil men, but the root of the righteous... Sorry, that's 12, 12. Let me read the right one. 12, 16. A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. Have you seen that meme? Someone on the internet is wrong. To action! A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. I hate it when people insult me. I hate it, and I want to shove it down their throat and show them how they're wrong, in which I show probably their insult to be probably true. A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. Chapter 18, verse 2. Chapter 18, verse 2. I have started many blogs. Well, a few. Most of them have one post each, which tells you a lot about the sort of person I am. (laughs) 18, verse 2. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. Hmm. All right, to chapter 26. As we head to chapter 26 and 27, I'm going to nudge us towards Jesus. This is really knowing your audience, knowing what to say to people. As we head towards these last few Proverbs, I'm starting to to head us to thinking about what it means to speak wisely when we're people who already know Jesus. And particularly, how does Jesus embody this wisdom about speaking? What does Jesus have to say to us about speech? And what does it mean to be a person whose life is centred on him, but taking on this wisdom as we seek to live for Jesus? One of the things in chapter 26 and 27 hold out for us is that this is complex. Working out what to say and when to say it is not easy. You can say exactly the same words to the same person at two different times and one of them is completely helpful and one is completely unhelpful. Oh, when are you due? (laughs) Completely unhelpful. Completely helpful. Although actually, never really a good question to ask. Just avoid it altogether. Let's hear from chapter 26. Uh, Chapter 26, verse 9. This is a great picture. 26, verse 9. Like a thorn bush in a drunkard's hand (laughs) is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. So you can use these proverbs to kind of do anything you want. You can just wave it around and be stupid. 
Like a thorn bush in a drunkard's hand is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Part of the wisdom of knowing what to say is not just having it and being able to spurt it out, but to think about when's right. And I think this is embodied most helpfully in chapter 26, verses 4 and 5. Have you read these two proverbs, 26, 4 and 5? If you haven't looked anything up, listen to these. These, these point us to Jesus, I think, in seeking wisdom. 26, 4 and 5. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. Verse 5. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. What do you do with that? Don't answer a fool according to his folly. Answer a fool. The Bible is clearly wrong. Ding, 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 ding. Hey, look, I proved it. I can ignore the whole Bible now. No. There's more to it than that, isn't there? This is a reminder that part of wisdom is knowing when to speak to a fool. Part of wisdom is knowing when to stay silent. And it's not a lesson easily learned. Before we head to Jesus, just look at 27 verse 2. 27 verse 2. 27 verse 2 says, "Let Let another praise you and not your own mouth, someone else and not your own lips. Seems like a bit of a random one to finish before we head uh, to Luke. But one of the things I want to say about Jesus and the wisdom of listening and speaking and not speaking is that the book of Proverbs shows us that this is a complex scenario. Knowing what to say and when to say it is not easy and you're going to stuff it up. Those proverbs about making restitution for the things that you've done wrong are there because I'm expected to make mistakes. I will do the wrong thing. Part of knowing myself is knowing that I don't, I know I'm not going to do this perfectly. And if you're a Christian already, you know this. It's part of the reason you love Jesus is because he welcomes people who are broken. Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus came to those who needed salvation. And Jesus' final hours, which Matt is going to read for us in a few minutes, Jesus' final hours play out this speaking and listening, I think, in profound ways. See, when we think about how to live as followers of Jesus, there's a temptation to think, well, I've heard all these proverbs, so I know now what to do. I've heard God's advice. I've heard his clear command. Do this and you will live. And so when I fail to do it well, there's a temptation to think, ah, I haven't pleased God, I haven't done the right thing. But that's not the Christian way to think. That's not the gospel. The good news of following Jesus is, according to 1 Corinthians, Jesus Christ is our wisdom. He is our holiness. He is our righteousness. He is our redemption. He's the one whose perfection God has accounted to us by our faith. So I don't have to live up to a certain standard to please God. My life as a follower of Jesus is response to his grace. 
I'm building a house on the foundation of Christ in response to what God has done for me in Christ. I already have wisdom from God. And Jesus' own trial and his crucifixion are just a lovely testament to the fact that it's hard to work out when to speak and when to remain silent. As, as we read this, and Matt's going to come up now and read it, I want, you to, I want you to just notice who speaks and who listens. Uh, at the end of this, uh, we're going to pause and have a moment for reflection. Uh, but that's, let's finish our time about listening and speaking by remembering the one who is for us, wisdom from God. Now we're going to be reading from Luke uh, chapter 23, which is on page 1045, if you wanted to follow along. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate, and then began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payments to Caesar, uh, sorry, payments of taxes to Caesar, and claims to be Christ, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and to the crowd, I find no basis for charge against this man. But they insisted, He stirs up the people all over Judea. By his teachings, he started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if this man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased, because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some miracle. He piled him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. There Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for the charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore I will punish him and then release him. With one voice they cried out, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he spoke to them, Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I'll have him punished and then release him. 
But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Jesus decided, sorry, so Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. As they led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women, who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For a time will come when you will say, Blessed are the barren women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if men do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He has saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There it was written, a notice above him, which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there held insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other, other criminal rebuked him. Don't, do you not fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting the deeds we deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Thanks for listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church Podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.